Welcome to Talking Biotech, the podcast dedicated to exploring the latest advancements in biotechnology, sponsored by Calabra, the R&D software that accelerates scientific discovery with AI. Each week, we'll dive into the latest innovations and discoveries with industry leaders and pioneers. Now, here's your host, Dr. Kevin Fulta. Welcome to the Talking Biotech Podcast. It's the weekly podcast about agriculture and medicine with an emphasis on biotechnology and the good things we can do for people and the planet. My name is Kevin Fulton. I'm a professor and podcast host, and today we're going to talk about the interface of biotechnology and art and discuss a documentary series which has been uh, done by an old friend of the show. Now, back in episode 48, we discussed the BT Brinjal, the eggplant that was genetically engineered in order to uh, resist insects. In that episode, we talked about a film that was called Well Fed and an effort on Al Jazeera uh, television to show the, the, and document exactly what was happening with the BT eggplant using documentary film. And we have the filmmaker with us here today, and we'll discuss that project and his projects going forward. So we're speaking with Dr. Hide Borzma, and uh, he's uh, an interesting character because you notice I said doctor before I gave his name, um, which doesn't always travel with a filmmaker. Uh, it turns out, well, well, I'll let him answer that. Welcome back to the podcast, Hide. Thank you. Thank you. Great, great being here. Yeah, it's really good to talk to you. It, it's uh, it's nice to hear your voice. So I started to talk a little bit about uh, your background, maybe. So uh, why are you Dr. Borsma? Yeah, I actually, uh, yeah, I'm a filmmaker now and also a publicist. I, I co-wrote uh, four books. But actually, I started as a, as a biologist. I studied biology uh, earlier this uh, millennial. Uh, and also, I have a PhD in soil microbiology, which back then was a, a tiny, tiny field, but now it's exploding into the limelight. It's, it's very popular at the moment. Uh, but I, I found out after six years in the lab that I, I wasn't really made for uh, the lab work. So I changed to uh, first uh, becoming a, a science communicator, science journalist. And then eventually, uh, together with friends, we uh, founded uh, Sugar Rush Films, and it's um, yeah, it's it's a production house which focuses on science-based film, often on modern food production. What's interesting about that is that the story of how you started to work mostly in the area of genetic engineering, and you mentioned your friends and. So how were they instrumental in guiding your decision to uh, do films about modern biotechnology? Well, the thing is, uh, when I started my study of biology, I came from, from a very like, like a green neighborhood, green uh, family. Uh, and then I started, studied bi biology. And then for the first time, I actually found out that the green movements often uh, aren't on the right side. So, and especially when it comes to uh, GMOs, to genetically modified crops, they're actually plain wrong. 
And uh, I live in Amsterdam, and all my friends uh, here in Amsterdam, they also believe the story of, uh, of the, the, the green movements, that GMOs are bad. And then I thought, well, this has to change. And then um, when I started uh, after my PhD, uh, I first started, I actually thought, well, I can convince people by just stating the facts, by just uh, telling them that I know the science and the science says GMOs are safe and they're a good tool for making the world more sustainable. But after five years, I actually found out that almost nobody is convinced by facts alone. So then I started <laughs> talking to friends and say, you need a narrative. You need a story with it. And like uh, movies are for me one of the, the best ways of building a new narrative around modern food production. And this is what, what, what we really did also with, with Well Fed. So what we did is... Uh, a friend of mine, Kasten de Vreugd, who, is, yeah, who really is a close friend of me. And before we started the movie, he was, he was, he, yeah, he didn't really like GMOs. And so I, I said to him, I'll take you to Bangladesh and show you the potential of GMOs. And maybe I can convince, convince you to, to challenge your world view. And this is actually what we've been doing now for a couple of years. The, 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 the interesting thing is that well-fed, we talked about it uh, three years ago, I guess, and it's still traveling the world. It's still being shown in movie theaters uh, and, and film festivals all around the world. And it's, it is still changing minds. And it really does. It's a very beautiful film. And that that's what's really nice about this is that you, you, you give the narrative. You tell a beautiful story. And the best part about well-fed is that it, it talks about, you know, you with, with your trying to convince your friends that this is a good technology and shows you travel to Bangladesh with your, you know, your friends and uh, with your friend anyway. And and why did that project with the, with the BT Brinjal, why was that so uh, meaningful as a focus for you? Well, yeah, the first, the, the first time I came, I, the first time I read about the BT Brinjal, it was actually a project uh, developed for India, for Indian farmers. And then I heard that uh, the Indian government actually turned it down, uh, backed by a lot of green NGOs. And I thought, well, uh, this is not good. I know this BT Brinjal, it, it, it reduces the pesticide use, it gives higher yields, and then it becomes a victim of the the battle we have here in Western Europe and also in America uh, about GMOs. And GMOs are often, of course, they are uh, associated with uh, the soy fields in Brazil and uh, very intensive agriculture. And a lot of my friends, they feel that they feel reluctant about this, about this kind of agriculture. And But then I thought, well, the fight we have about this type of agriculture, about the Monsantos of those this world, actually... Uh, make uh, victims elsewhere in the world. And this this is why I thought this BT Brinjal project was so crucial to show that if you're against all GMO, you're actually let, letting down the subsistence farmers who you are, say, you're, you're fighting for. What's really interesting is that compared to three or four years ago when you were on the podcast, uh, there's a lot more listeners and could you tell us where we can see Well Fed or even the uh, Al Jazeera documentary that you made? Uh, yeah, the Well Fed at the moment, you can you can watch it for free on uh, sugarrushfilm.nl slash doc, D-O-C, sugarrushfilm.nl. So that's, it's a that site slash doc. And there's a free link to the, to the documentary. 
And it's amazing <laughs> because when like three years ago, this BT Brinzel project was just starting, there were only 100 farmers using it. And now if you read about it, there are tens of thousands of farmers using it. It's, and there's a lot, of, a lot of scientific publication also stating that the yield gains are like are so big and the, 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 the income of those subsistence farmers is, is growing. It, 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 it turned out to be even better than I, than I hoped it would be. Well, it's really interesting about that phenomenon is that there's a lot of reports that the brinjal is showing up in India and the places that originally didn't want it. Um, I've heard discussion that it's being smuggled in because it's so good and yeah, the farmers yeah, I, want uh, it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I remember already that uh, back then I was talking to uh, uh, Bengal farmers who worked closely to the border uh, of India, and they were all already saying that we're we're smuggling it or we're trading it with people because uh, you saw that a lot of farmers there actually separate had a separate field where they um, uh, had how do you call it, the tiny plants which you which you can sell and they sold it over the border to India. So uh, of course it, it's it, it's logical if if you see how good they are and how much lower the pesticides uh, use is and how much more money they save it's 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 so obvious that a farmer wants it wants to use it. Well, anyone interested in that story should go back and visit episode forty eight, but also other ones. I think maybe one hundred or one hundred three, um, one hundred two, one hundred one, somewhere in there. Um, I had a couple of discussions with Tony Shelton from. Uh, from Cornell University, and he's the one who uh, was the point person on the science of that project, and uh, Hitty just has been covering it extremely well. What sparks your interest in films about food and food security? Yeah, so the thing is, I, I care deeply about, about the planet. I'm a biologist, and uh, one of my top experience in my life was a five-day trekking to the Amazon, so I feel very... Uh, close to to biodiversity and the climate and i see that for instance in, in in food and agriculture of course we all know that food and agriculture is one of the main reasons behind the decline of biodiversity and, and the climate change but what worries me is that we know what the problem is and a lot of my friends my urban friends also know what the problem is but the solution they're having uh, they're they're making it worse uh, so you see a lot of love for uh, food forest, permaculture, uh, organic agriculture, all more extensive ways of making food. And the number one problem for me in food production is the amount of space we're using. We're using half of the planet for making food, and we need another 2 billion more, 3 billion more people to feed. So for me, the main thing, we should do that on as little land as possible. And for that, we need modern production technique. The more we do on less land, the more space there is for nature. And we are doing exactly the opposite. In, in, Netherlands, in Europe now, there's a new farm to fork strategy, and they plan to increase the organic area. of, of the, they, they want to increase the number of organic farms to 25%. Now it's around five. And this is for me, it's, it's such a bad idea. Biodiversity and the climate are worse off them. So I, in all my work, I uh, want to change people's mind on this. We need modern food production to make the world more sustainable. So what's the story with Bite Me? Uh, yeah, so uh, after uh, Well Fed and, um, and traveling around the world with, with the movie and, and really finding out that it is possible to uh, to 
challenge people's worldview and, and we were able to change views and this of course got me thinking well we need to do that more often and then i i read on on stock news uh, website i, I read a, a a report of um, of uh, of uh, of a project uh, where in burkina faso where they plan to release genetically modified mosquitoes with gene drive in them to eliminate malaria and i thought well this is even a step further. This is like if you if you um, genetically modify crops, of course, they, they stay in the field and it's there. And this is like you're modifying uh, mosquitoes and they travel around across borders. And then you even put in a gene drive, which is like a genetic modification on speed. Uh, so so it's, 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 I actually expected it to be more uh, problematic from an uh, environmental point of view uh, from from organization. So we uh, last year traveled to Burkina Faso uh, to start uh, to start filming there uh, and to see how they try to convince all their uh, the whole country actually that this is a good idea. And interestingly enough, uh, I published a story last year uh, in the Guardian and also in the, the Spanish El País on this project. But there was a lot less pushback. Uh, with those GMOs, mosquitoes, then you have when you publish about uh, GMO crops. It's interestingly enough, if it's about health, uh, people are more willing to take risks than when it comes to food somehow. No, that's very true. I think we see that across the board. I mean, no one really objects to gen- uh, genetic engineered insulin, right? True. I mean, that's, and and it, it's a different part of the brain that gets excited when yeah. you talk about so that's you know, good word to yeah, think about. But for me, yeah, but for me, it was like a mosquito with a gene drive. It's, it, it sounded for me like even as a molecular biologist, I'm, well, this is taking it quite fast and far, although I really believe in the project. But a lot of other people were also very enthusiastic. And of course, you say like, there's still 400,000 people dying of malaria every year, mostly kids. So they feel this is such a necessary project. Well, I agree 100%. The idea of the gene drive is kind of getting into the area where we have to start being very cautious, not just talking about the uh, phenomenon itself from an ecological standpoint, but also the social acceptance of this kind of technology. And now we covered this also on the podcast in previous episodes. If, for those who are interested in, in listening to that, we also spoke very carefully about the social ramifications. So not just uh, throwing out technology. You, you mentioned the website Sugar Rush Films. Is that the place where people could uh, start to have more access to all of your work? Yeah, yeah. So we, we're actually in the middle. Of, we used like the, the last couple of months to develop a couple of new films. Uh, and everything about my work, or at least the work I'm doing with my friends in this uh, production house, you can find on Sugar Rush uh, Films. So Well Fed, Bite Me, and also the new film we're probably going to talk about later. That's right. We'll talk about it after the break. Um, We're speaking with Dr. Hide Borsma. He's a a filmmaker in the Netherlands who also is a scientist first. And uh, we spoke to him almost 200 episodes ago. (laughs) And uh, yeah, uh, uh, your episode uh, 48 and probably somewhere around 248. I don't know. It's been quite a uh, quite a run but uh, we'll be back with the talking biotech podcast in just a moment greetings talking biotech listeners 
there are a number of science friends that can use your help. You see, the avalanche of bad science is well-funded, while realistic depictions of science in medicine and agriculture suffer far behind. So what can you do to help the situation? Sometimes it's great just to get a couple of clicks on some very important websites. Check out Sugar Rush Films, a small team of experts that makes excellent documentaries on a very slim shoestring. Get a copy of DNA Demystified by Dr. Alan McEwen. It's a great text to start to unravel the mysterious molecule called DNA. Don't forget to support No Ideas Media. That's K-N-O-W, Ideas Media, a small production team that produces excellent short videos about agricultural topics. Check out the blog, Sustainable Agriculture, Innovation and Food, at safefood, S-A-I-F-O-O-D dot C-A. Read the Genetic Literacy Project at geneticliteracy.org. And check out Folto's other podcasts. He's teamed with journalist Cameron English to discuss this week's major science stories. Now, all of these resources depend on your support, whether it's a visit to their website, sharing their content in your social media stream, or in some cases, a few dollars of financial support. These are all friends of the Talking Biotech Podcast. I truly appreciate your help. And now, back to the podcast. And welcome back to the Talking Biotech Podcast. We're speaking with Dr. Hidip Borsman. And he's a filmmaker and scientist who has done beautiful films about the questions of genetic engineering. And he has experienced the phenomenon that many of us feel, that we want to use technology for the best purposes for people and a planet. Uh, We might have friends and associates who say it's a bad idea. How do we convince them? And uh, it is doing this using documentary film. By documenting, by documenting the severity of specific problems and showing genetic engineering solutions has made some very compelling films that have received great accolades all over the world. So uh, we, we connected this week because you have an idea for a potential project. So what are you planning on doing? I've, I've, I've been uh, working in this GMO debate now already for 10 years. And um, like I told Well Fed, uh, we wanted to change the narrative. Uh, and Often, if you talk about GMOs, you also uh, sideways somehow always get to the issue of glyphosate. Uh, so I'm, I'm also, I've dived in this uh, glyphosate uh, debate for the last uh, five years also. And what I saw is that you saw a little similar with GMOs, that glyphosate is associated with a lot of things people think are bad in our current food system. And then they want to um, ban glyphosate completely without only because it's associated with the wrong kind of agriculture. And what I saw is that in a lot of cases, for instance, uh, in, in Sri Lanka, you see that the glyphosate is banned and then subsistence farmers suddenly get a 20% yield drop. Or you see that in sub-Saharan Africa, when glyphosate is gone, that people have to go back 
especially women, to hand weeding. So what you often see is that the debates here in the West, they have influence on, um, on the lives of subsistence farmers. And you see that especially in the, in the glyphosate uh, debate too. So we have a new project where we want to lift the lid of the anti-glyphosate lobby because it, it, it really bothers me that this debate is filled with so many shoddy science and corruption. And, um, and what you often see is that the anti-glyphosate lobby gets a free pass in the media. So, for instance, you probably know all those uh, news, all those headlines where there, when, when uh, scientists found uh, glyphosate in breast milk or in beer. And if you look deeper into it, you see that the company who is actually doing those tests use, uses non, not approved, not validated tests. And often, if Monsanto would do that, everybody would be on the heels of Monsanto. And on the other side, they get the free pass. So we thought it's really, we should really lift the lid off the, the, the fact that the anti-glyphosate lobby is actually not that noble and not that scientific. And it, it, it's actually just what they want. They want an end to modern farming. And you see often that, uh, for instance, also you, you, you're probably familiar with U.S. right to know, it's, it's actually a push for, by the organic lobby. While a lot of my friends think those organizations, they are noble. They want to make a better world, but it's just a lobby group. So it's time to, to lift the lid of the anti-glyphosate lobby, I think. They're lobby groups who spend a lot of time calling legitimate scientists uh, lobby groups. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, exactly. if you yeah. and like this, they do a lot of cherry picking, of course, like everybody uses this uh, IRCA uh, thing, which said that uh, glyphosate is probably carcinogenic. Uh, and they keep on using this uh, organization while all other organizations say, well, it's not. And they only cherry pick. And, and what, so what's so annoying is often that they uh, accuse uh, scientists and farmers of cherry picking, but they do it far worse. Very much. And what's really funny about that, if, if you went to your physician and said, um, it's probably cancer, <laughs> you would probably not be really excited with your physician. And you'd go to find somebody who would give you a definitive uh, answer based on the data and based upon the evidence not just a, you know, uh, an interpretation that they feel, um, you know, with the word probably, you know, uh, and, and the IRC decision, it's, it's all very nuanced. And if you understand it, it's, uh, it, it really is nothing when you look at the scope of the evidence that we have. But uh, I, 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 and, and I, I see it more as a money grab by, uh, by tort lawyers because yeah, they did. They did the same thing with um, uh, baby powder. You know, uh, very very scant evidence that there's something connected to a human Ill illness. Yet they're able to convince a jury. You know, these poor people are suffering, and so so when 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 you're going to make this film, uh, the reason I wanted to have you on is because you're really trying to raise some funding to get this done. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, so the thing is, we what what we saw with all also our our, our previous movies. Uh, what you see, uh, films are often watched by uh, well, let's see it, left liberal green people. They 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 go to music to to film festivals, and, and so this is really the place where you can where you can start a conversation and where you can change people's mind. So we thought this is also something we need to do with the glyphosate. I, a lot of my friends, say my urban friends. They don't know how uh, annoying weeds can be. 
uh, and how necessary glyphosate is for uh, conservation agriculture, which is big in the, the United States, but not at all yet in, in, in Europe. So I want to convince again my friends and all the people who are similar to my friends that uh, the anti-glyphosate lobby is on, in, on the wrong side. And we plan to do this this time based on a donation model. So what we are actually looking for, we are looking for 2,000 farmers or other people in the food and agricultural sector who are willing to donate 50 euros or $50 in the, in the, to, for us to, to make this possible. So we're hoping also by this podcast that people hear this story and also think it's, it's time that, the, yeah, that, the, that we see the anti-glyphosate lobby for what it really is. And hopefully there will be many people who are able to help us. So, so yeah, if people are able to miss $50 for us, if we combine it, we can make a really good movie. And again, like with WellFed, probably uh, show it around the world for years. Uh, and what we often do is that uh, we travel together with the movie around the world and do Q&As and debates and, 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 really, and really change people's minds. Really cool. Because the other problem that we have is that documentary space is so filled with garbage that everything seems to be very anti-agriculture. And when you had, you know, like Food Revolution and Well-Fed and some of these really good, uh, well-made scientific documentaries, that they, they don't get the same attention and fanfare as these ones that just saturate um, Facebook. And, you know, there's one that pops up on my feed every day. Um, I'll, but, uh, but I'll definitely donate for sure. But can people donate less if they're going to, like, if they can give you, you know, $20 or 10 euros? I think the, the, the lowest amount you can give is 20. Well, we're happy with anything. The more people, of course, uh, donate, the, 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 the lower the average is we need for them to donate. So the more, the merrier. And $20, is, is, it will be great. And, and what you're saying is absolutely right. It's, we see it also like we decided on this uh, donation model because it's really hard also to get funding uh, for this kind of movie uh, in another way because even like the, the, the most of the funding agencies is that the english word they are also often left liberal leaning they 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 they're, they're not really neutral so it's really hard to get a get money for a film from this side and and what you see, if you, if you look on netflix for instance also the the movies there on gmos they're horrible uh, and, but, and then often people, when they saw my movie, they say, well, it wasn't really balanced but because what about the, I don't know, the, the farmer suicides and stuff? And what about Monsanto? And I thought, well, no, we are balancing out uh, the, the, the crap you always see on, uh, on Netflix and Amazon. Uh, exactly. And, and, and the idea of having to give both sides of a discussion is such a lousy uh, argument. Now, it makes a lot of sense if you're going to be speaking from evidence, but you can't say, here is the data, here's the science. Oh, and here's a website that says something different. And that, that's why the, that, but that's why that is such a bogus um, uh, assertion. And you're right, though. The funny part is, is that, you know, the people who I tend to agree with a lot tend to be in that kind of green area, that uh, kind of libertarian yet um, very interested in environment chunk of people that have um, really good ideas about, you know, desires about environment, but get it wrong on genetic engineering. And so yeah. how you're, you're in a really funny spot because nobody else is going to fund this 
except for the scientific interest to do it. And you can't really go to Monsanto and Bayer and say, give me a check for this. Exactly. For us also with our previous movie, Well Fed, it was always the first question in Q&As, who funded you? Of how much, how, how much money did Monsanto gave you? So although I think that a lot of those big companies do great work, it's impossible for us to make an independent movie if we go to, to Bayer or to Monsanto to say, well, we're going to make a, a movie of, of, of about glyphosate, uh, can you donate? So that's why we, yeah, we really need farmers uh, and, and, and people who are closely aligned with farmers, people who use this stuff and often in a very uh, sensible way to, to help us tell this, uh, this story. No, that's perfect because it, and that's what's really funny is that, you know, the big companies like that, they have the money and they have the budget and they, they could and should be supporting art and should be supporting informative documentary. And they should be telling the story of agriculture and, and using people like you to do it. But the problem is you can't touch that money because even exactly. if, even if it doesn't matter how clean the science is and what a good story you tell, if it comes with a uh, support in any, any amount, even if it was $5 from, you know, buyers you say, or, um, you know, or Dow or whatever, automatically people throw the film out. And yeah. so so you got to go with you got to go with farmers and glyphosate users. Could you tell me more about which film festivals your films have been shown, and have you won any awards or recognition? Yes, uh, let me let me look it up because it's it's the the the, the amount of film festivals well fed was actually in it's it's, it's great. We we went to the uh, to the states, to Russia, to Armenia, to Poland. Uh, to Brazil, uh, so it's 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 amazing how how a variety of people actually uh, uh, watched the movie, and and we did gain some uh, some prizes in the Netherlands. We won the Wageningen. Uh, Wageningen is like the, the main agricultural university of the Netherlands, the the Wageningen University Prize, and for instance in Slo- Slovakia, we won a, a best mu- uh, movie prize also in Estonia. So there were quite some uh, prizes. Uh, but for me, I think the most important thing is that we often did a Q&A afterwards. And what you see, what we saw is that people are actually willing to listen and willing to. Uh, that, yeah, so they, they often when they started the movie, they had a very black and white idea about GMOs and they came out of the movie with a little bit more gray. So I, I think that the world is changing and I think that efforts like yours are making a difference. And I think that people are changing and softening their uh, hard opinions on things like genetic engineering. So what would you work on if you're successful? <laughs> so let's say you, your films really, you know, help orchestrate this change of acceptance of genetic engineering. What would you work on next? Well, the thing is we, uh, we used uh, the last three months like the COVID period to, to, um, to make, actually three new film plans and one of them is, is is really closely aligned to what i feel is really important and and that's it's about the land sparing land sharing debate so the idea of if we want to save biodiversity should we uh, mix food production and nature or should we uh, separate it and uh, use intensified agriculture uh, lower the amount of land we use to make more space for real nature and if you look at the science, like all studies all over the world, be it Kazakhstan or Poland or Ghana, all those studies show it is best to concentrate 
our food production efforts on as less land as possible to make space for nature. It's it's impossible to combine biodiversity and uh, food production in such a way that it resembles in any way uh, the, the biodiversity in real nature. So for me, uh, I really want to make a movie showing again to my friends that we need modern highly productive agriculture if we want to save the Amazon, if we want to save uh, the Congo Bessin, if we want to save, uh, I don't know, Yellowstone, everything. We need to uh, focus on highly productive agriculture. That's the way to a sustainable world. So where exactly can they donate? Uh, yeah, again, if you go to uh, sugarrushfilm.nl slash glyphosate, there's a PayPal button, but you can also directly uh, money transfer, but I'm not sure if that's easy from the, from the States or elsewhere. So there's a PayPal button, which you can use. And yeah, so we're hoping we need about uh, 100,000 euros to make a good movie. Uh, so we're all hoping for your help. That would be amazing. And, and that's a bargain. A hundred thousand euros is a pretty good, yeah, pretty good yeah. deal. Yeah, exactly. You know, know if, if if like if you uh, probably food evolution and stuff, the, the budgets are way higher. But we have a, a small team. We, we're going lean, and we've shown also we're well fed. We well fed. We made for seventy thousand euros. It is possible. Uh, of course, the more the more the better because we want to go probably go to Brazil and also to uh, to the states. And so there's a lot of. Uh, uh, traveling going on but for 100,000 euros we can make a good movie and you're not making money on the backside of this because your films you can see for free so you're you're there it's not like you're able to um invest you know some money and then get back more money no. you're 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 essentially putting this out there and uh in saying everybody here go watch this movie for free yeah. um do you think that the Mosquito movie will be also available for free. What, you often, what we often do is that the first year we are sending it to a lot of um, uh, festivals around the world and they often demand exclusivity so that it's not a, a, available for free yet. And then after a year, we will put, we will publish it uh, online for free. But the funny thing is if, if you send your documentaries to film festivals, you often only you have to pay to for them to show them. So even then... We don't make any money of it. It's, it's a very strange world. Only if you sell it, for instance, to TV, like we did with WellFed, we, we sold it to the Dutch and the Slovenian TV, then you get a small amount of money. But the, the, the strange thing about those film festivals is that everybody uh, gives their documentaries away for free, and then those people at the film festival, they can make money of it. <laughs> it's a strange world. <laughs> You see, that's the business you need to be in. Exactly. Other <laughs> people are doing the hard work. <laughs> well, it, that's the really funny part about this is here you are doing the doing the right thing and doing what is, and I'm not just saying this because you're a friend and someone who I, I really appreciate, but I think that you do a beautiful job just in the, the, the how well shot the films are and how beautifully shot they are. And the artistic eye of the filmmaker really comes through in your work. It's not just a scientist with a camera. Uh, it's someone who really is putting together the story and building the narrative. And, uh, and, and then you give it away. And 
I'll tell you, you're a real hero in a lot of ways. So thank, thank you so much for that. And, and if people want to follow what you do online or on social media, how do they follow oh, you? Oh, yeah. I, uh, I'm, I'm quite an active uh, Twitterer, um, uh, often in Dutch, but sometimes also in, in English. And my handle is, uh, it's uh, Hidem High, uh, because my name is Hidem, H-I-D-D-E-M-H-I-G-H. <laughs> I'll post a link to that as well as uh, to Sugar Rush Films on the website associated with this episode. So, hit it, Borsma. Thank you very much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. It's nice to hear you again. Same here. Thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah, I really look forward to this one. And, and for everyone listening, thank you for listening to the Talking Biotech podcast. As we go into year six, I really do urge you to support Hit It. Uh, it's you know, 20 bucks is the minimum donation, but that's pretty good. And you're investing in somebody who is working hard to tell the story of science through his best medium. And he's not getting rich off of this, I'm sure. You know, it's, he's giving away the product at the end of the day and some cases has to pay to get it in the film festivals. But this is exactly what we should be supporting. I really urge you to reach out and support his effort and, uh, and really help drive the science with beautiful film. This is the Talking Biotech Podcast, and we'll talk to you again next week. The Talking Biotech Podcast presents the personal views of Dr. Kevin Folta and its guests. These are not the views of the University of Florida, its faculty, staff, or students. Comment on today's episode on the Talking Biotech Facebook page. Send comments and suggestions to kevinfolta at gmail.com. And remember, tell a friend, write a review, or float us a little love over on the Patreons. Your support will directly translate into this podcast and broadening science education efforts everywhere. You've been listening to Talking Biotech, sponsored by Calabra, the platform that bridges the gap between siloed research tools. With Calabra's electronic lab notebook, scientists can work together in real time, sharing data and insights with ease. Revolutionize your research collaboration. Sign up for a demo today at calabra.app, C-O-L-A-B-R-A dot A-P-P.